man, I know everybody's in the holiday spirit now. Hopefully, everybody has up all their Christmas decorations. If not, it's still time to do so. How many of y'all are tired of Christmas music already? Anybody? Couple hands. We hadn't even started really playing Christmas music yet. Usually, that's usually I usually start playing Christmas music like right after Thanksgiving. Sometimes even before Thanksgiving, I'll start playing Christmas music. For some reason, hadn't really listened to it that much this year, but that is going to change very soon the closer it gets to Christmas. But man, I'm excited um, about today's message. Uh, we're in week six of our sermon series entitled Foundations. Y'all say foundations. Man, can y'all believe it's six weeks already that we've been in this? First, we started off with talking about forgiveness. Then we talked about joy. Then we talked about faith, devotions, holiness, and today is, our, is week six, and we're talking about love. Come on, y'all say love. Love. This is the sixth foundational principle that I believe every believer needs to have on their journey, on their walk with Christ. We have to have love. Y'all say love one more time. And I know there are so many definitions of love out there that we could talk about. There's love stories right now. We're in the Christmas holiday, so Hallmark and Lifetime have nothing but Christmas movies that are all the same, and they all deal with love. You always know how it's going to end. They're going to get together in some type of work environment. They're not going to like each other. Then they're going to work together, and then they like each other, and then somebody's going to get a job opportunity in another state, and then they're going to say, I'm leaving, and then the other person's going to get sad, and then at the, right at the end of the movie, they'll say, I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here with you because this is home and this is love. And it's the same every movie, but we watch all of them. Even though we know it's always the same plot, it's always the same story, it doesn't matter which one. It's like, can they come up with creative ways to do something different? But no, we fall for it every year, and we watch all of them. And there's so many different plots to love. There's a Back in the day, there was this artist named Music Soul Child. How many of y'all ever heard of Music Soul Child? Some people, a few people. He had a song called Love, and he was writing a love letter to love. And he said, love, there's so many things I like to tell you, but I'm afraid I don't know how. Because of the possibility that you may look at me differently, love. And he goes on to tell, tell this story about love and all these different things. And, how many of you saw the movie Titanic? Now, this is my favorite part. How many of y'all saw Titanic? At the end of the movie, when the ship is going down and Jack is looking for Rose and he finds Rose and he gets her on the plank of wood and they're talking and Jack is still in the water and everybody's like, oh, what a great love story. And eventually Jack dies in the water and Rose, she lives. And I'm like, that's not love. That wood was big enough for Jack to get on there with her. Like Rose should have scooted over and said, man, get, in this, get on this piece of wood with me. It's cold in that water. You're going to freeze to death. But no, she was just up there letting that man shiver in the cold water. And then she looked over and then Jack was gone. That's not love. That's selfishness. <laughs> she should have let that man get on that piece of wood. But today we're going to talk about love. Y'all say love one more time. Love. Love. The ultimate expression of love is this, it's found in John chapter 15, verse 13. It says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. See, Rose, she should have she read that verse and said, Jack, you get up on here. But she didn't. But thank God Jesus knew what to do. What to do. There is no greater love than to lay one's life down for one's friend. And we're called the friend of God. Or, and Jesus, because of his love for us, he willingly laid down his life for us. That is the example of love that we should all display as Christians. In 2 John chapter 1, verse 6, it says this. It says, love means doing what God has commanded us. Ooh, that's good. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning, just as you heard from the beginning. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, that it brings life, that it brings uh, truth, that it brings clarity. 
I pray that you open up every heart to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another just as you have heard from the beginning. So what does love do? Love commands us to do what God has what? Commanded us. What has God commanded us to do? So today we're going to look at three different dynamics of love. We're going to look at three different dynamics of love. And there's so much this topic of love you could talk about, but I love these three things we're going to talk about today. Again, if you're watching online or you're in the service, all the notes are on the app. You can follow along with us, go back and listen to the messages and all the other notes from the previous uh, uh, messages are on there as well. But the first point is, if you take a note, you can write this down. Uh, the first dynamic of love is this. Love is truth. Love is truth. And you say, well, how is love truth? Well, I'm glad you said that. We're going to read about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8. This is something that's read at almost every, every wedding. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the what? The truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. I love that in verse 6. It says, love, it does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It rejoices when the truth wins out. Love rejoices when the truth wins out. And what is the truth? The truth is God's word. When we think about the truth, what is the truth? The truth is God's word. So when we think about the context, love in the context of the Bible, we have to think about this. What does the word of God say about truth? And when we do that, we're actually walking in love when we walk in truth. Y'all get that? You walk in love by walking in the truth of the word of God, because there's nothing greater than the truth. There's nothing clearer than the truth because God establishes truth from the very beginning. And so when we walk in love, we're walking in truth. Everything about God's word is truth and rooted and motivated by love. If you think about everything that God ever does, it's rooted and motivated by love. When we think about creation, from the beginning of the time, everything he did was motivated by love. Why did he create human beings? Because he wanted to have relationship with, with us because he loved us so much. When he destroyed the earth with the flood, he says, you know what? I'll make a promise. I'll never flood the earth again. And he did that because he was motivated out of love. He was angry with us, but then his love was so much greater. He said, you know what? I'm going to make a promise. I'll never wipe out the earth like that again because I love you. And then we think about the cross. We talked about that a little bit. The cross was motivated by love. There's no other way that, that Jesus could have endured what he did if he didn't love us. And the cross was motivated. So everything that God does is truth, but it's also motivated by love. So our love for each other and our love for one another, it should be motivated by, love, by truth, but it is also motivated by love. And love is not a feeling. It's a divine revelation and revealed by God. The, the, the church shows love the more it's revealed to us. How do we know how to display love? By the closer that we draw to God, then he revealed his love to us and how we should love others. That's what the church does. So when we pray and we seek God, what we're really doing is seeking God to say, God, teach me to love others how you love me. And as he reveals that to us as, a, as the church, guess what? Then we can go out and figure out how can we love on our community? How can I love on my family? How can I love on my spouse? How can I love on my coworkers? How can I love on my neighbors? Is when it's revealed by God on how to love others. So God's love is revealed to us. Because think about it. None of us truly know how to love in ourselves. It has to be revealed by God to say, God, how do I love this other person? Because our nature is to love ourselves. Our nature is to think about ourselves. But if we want to truly love our neighbors 
as, or lay down our life for our neighbors. The only way you're going to do that is if it's revealed by God on how to do that. So that's why it's so important that we get into God's word and that we pursue God because he reveals his love to us the more we pursue him. A marriage, how do you know how to love your spouse? By the more that you get to know them and pursue them in relationship, you learn your spouse. Then you realize this is how I love my spouse. Because when you first come together, you may think you have an idea on how to love your spouse. But when you get to know the person, you're like, man, I didn't know them at all. What I thought I knew, I didn't know. And now you have to, as you pursue them, it, God will begin to reveal things about them. You say, you know what? This is how I love my spouse. Because over time, it is being revealed. Over, and it's something that's continual, just like our relationship with God. It's not something that's, oh, God revealed his love to me. I know how to do it. No, it's something that you have to continually pursue in order to continue for God to reveal his true love and his true intent for what he has called us to do. Amen? Love is not created by mankind. Love is not created by mankind. The world can't tell us what to love. I'm sorry, the world can't tell us what love is or how we should love because the world's love is rooted in selfishness and acceptance of all things which is contrary to God's love. You see, the world's love says you are accepting of everything. If you love me, you'll accept me for all of who I am. That's not necessarily uh, the truth of the word of God. There are certain things in the word of God that God establishes that he says, if you love me, we read earlier, you obey my commands or you do what I command you to do. And so if that's the case, then we can't just say and go around and say, well, love is accepting of all things. Well, if God has commanded you to do certain things, and you go against that. Then how can accepting all things be God's love? Because it's not. It's man-made. It's it's. In the world, they're very slick with that because they know that word love is something that if you say, oh, if you love me, because who really will say, I don't love you? Who really wants to be known as a hateful person unless you just truly have hate in your heart and you want everybody to know that you're a hateful person? But most normal people want to be known as a person that I love others. I care about others. So the enemy knows that he's slick. He knows that he, he didn't create love. And he can do nothing to change that. But we can, what he can do is twist it and pervert it to make people feel like love is accepting of all things. It doesn't matter what you do. You have to accept me if you truly love me. And then we can fall into that trap and say, you know what? I, I don't agree with them, but I love them. Well, that's a certain aspect of it that's true. But just because it's, we love them doesn't mean that we accept all things. And we're about to read that now in Jude chapter 1, verse 17 through 18. I'm sorry, verse 17, 17 through 21, it says, But you, dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there will be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. Does that not sound like the world today? These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. Who are the people that are causing divisions among the church? The ones that say the church is full of hate. The one that says the church, well, I went to church, but they didn't accept me for who I am. But it, or who you trying to be, is that, is that aligning with the word of God? Is it aligning with the truth of the word of God? Whatever it is, whatever the case may be, is it aligning with the truth of the word of God? And when they feel like they're not accepting me for who I am because of the lifestyle and the things that I choose to do, they're the one that's causing divisions in the church. That's what it says right here. That's what we're reading. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among us. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in what? In God's love. If we do these things, it says you will keep yourself safe in God's love. Because why? God's love is rooted in truth. When you're rooted in truth, it would help you identify things where people are coming in to try to cause division among you. It says, you know what? That's you trying to cause this division. You're trying to cause disunity by coming in and, and displaying uh, attitudes and behaviors that are, uh, that are not aligning with the truth of the word of God. But it says that, again, that if you, if you uh, build each other in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit and await the mercy of the Lord Jesus, he will bring you eternal life in this way. It will keep yourself safe 
in God's love. Those are the ways that you keep yourself in God's love and in his truth. Because the way that society is going, it's just going to get more and more deeper until people want to accept more and more things. Think about how it started off and how gradually things are constantly changing in the world. The people want you to be more accepting of so many different things. That is not what the word of God says. The world says God is love and we should accept all people and their decisions because showing love for all people is what God does. God, God is love. God is love. And what about the scripture? There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And that is very true. There is nothing, no sin, no nothing that can separate us from the, God, from the, the love of God. But the world did not die for us. So why would I put my confidence in a system that is human made and has human plans? Why would I put my trust in a world system that's constantly changing? No, I'm putting my confidence and my hope in the one that died for me. The one that displayed the ultimate sign of love. The one that I know whose word is true. That's why I follow God's love and not what the world says love is. In Romans chapter 8, verse 35, verse 39 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Because this, God is love. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we are in trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Hallelujah. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. That is good news. That's something to rejoice about. Y'all might want to clap your hands about that. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. But you know something that could be truth at the same time? You can dismiss yourself from receiving God's love. Even though nothing can separate us from God's love, because of your decisions, you could put your place in a position where you resist God's love. Even though nothing can separate us from it, it, can, it can, your decisions can cause you not to receive God's love. Think about a parent. If a parent has a child that's constantly making wrong decisions, just because that child is making wrong decisions, does that mean the parent stops loving the child? No, their love is still there, but the child's decision can cause them to run away from the parent, which means that they're running away from the love that the parent has for them. That doesn't mean that they stop loving them. It just means that because of your decisions, you're rejecting my love that I have for you. And that's what, God is, that's what God is like. He's like, nothing can separate you from my love, but your decisions can. It can keep you away from it. Think about the story of the prodigal son. Whose decision was it for the prodigal son to say, I want to take my inheritance and go squander it and spend it all loosely? Was that the father's decision or was that the son's decision? It was the son's decision. But did the father stop loving him? What did the father do? I'm pretty sure the father waited on him every day looking at that road. I know one day my son is coming home. He was praying to God, God, I know my son is coming home. I don't know what day it is or when it's going to happen, but I know he's coming home. And the whole time, his love for his son never died. And that one day when the son came back, he threw a feast. He threw his robe around his son. He gave him a ring. He threw him a fancy party because his son had returned home. Why was that? Because his son recognized the error of his ways and said, I had it better at my father's home. I need to come back and receive my father's love. He came back to receive the, he knew it was there, but because of his decisions, it caused him to run away from something that nothing could separate him from. But he came back to it once he came to his senses. That's what the word says. It says he, once he came to his senses, he went back to the father's love. That's just like the world. 
At some point, we were all in the world following out, making our own decisions, mad at God. God don't care about me. God don't love me. If God loved me, he would. No, no. It was because of our decisions that kept us from receiving God's love, even though it's there the whole time. We just read it. Nothing can separate us from God's love, but we can put ourselves because of our decisions in a place where we stop receiving God's love. We have to make sure that we stay in a position where we're following the truth of the word of God, because in that we're safe in God's love. Now we're positioning ourselves to receive God's love. Does this make sense this morning? Are y'all following? Y'all catch what I'm saying? Nothing can separate us from God's love but your decisions. You're the only one. So that's why we must examine our hearts. God, am I living in the truth of your word? Because the more that you live in the truth of God's word, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall more and more in love with him. But the more you fall away from the truth of his word, guess what? You're going to resist God, and you'll find yourself in a position where, like the prodigal son, man, I had it better when I was serving God. I was, I'm, now I'm doing all these things. I'm miserable again. It was started off fun. Now it's not fun anymore. What is that? You're outside of God's love. Even though it's right there, all you got to do is accept it and receive it. Amen? So love is truth. Say love is truth. Second thing, write this down. Love covers the past. Love covers the past. Oh, hallelujah for this one. Love covers the past. Man, I'm glad that God doesn't look at my past and say, Mario, boy, you were something else. Boy, I'm telling you that you had a lot of people praying for you to get saved because, whoo, I was, I didn't, I, I, I didn't know if you was going to make it. He knew what was going to happen. He knows I was beginning from the end. I'm just being funny, but at the same time, it's like, thank God he doesn't hold our past against us. Thank God that love covers our past. So if you're living in condemnation, fear not. God is not worried about your past as long as you're pursuing him. When you pursue him, you bring up your past. Guess what he says? I don't know what you're talking about. And he's not just being funny. He's being serious. He does not remember our sin once we repent of it. He does not remember our sin and our past anymore. So love covers our past. That's good news this morning. Love covers our past. It does. But the world's love, it covers your past as long as you do it right. As soon as you mess up, what does the world want to do? Bring up your past. I remember when you used to do this. You, 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 you get it. You, you're doing right for a little bit, but I know what you was really like. I know you're acting all that one way in front of the church people, but I know who you really are. I remember what you used to do. You didn't got saved. Now you're too good for everybody now. Now you don't want to. What is that? They thinking about your past. But you say, devil, you a lie. God's love has covered my past. I no longer am bound to the condemnation and the guilt and the shame of what I used to do and what, how I used to live. My the God's love has covered my past. So guess what? Now I can walk in freedom. Now I can walk in victory. Now I can walk guilt-free. And, oh, boy, you get free of guilt and shame from your past. I'm telling you, that is enough to make you run around the church and shout. Because that guilt and shame will weigh you down and tear you up. Think, man, y'all know what I'm talking about. Think that guilt and shame, you holding on to it, man, that will tear a person down. Physically, it will beat you up and make you feel like, I, I don't want to live. Because this guilt and this shame is wearing me down. But God's love is not consumed with our past, but delights in our future. It does not think about our past, but he's, his love delights in our future. Our past failures are swallowed up by love. I'm so thankful that I had men in my life that walked with me in my salvation experience despite my past. When I got saved and I confessed all of my sin and they were like, well, tell me your story. You know, it's always good to go back and ask someone when they get saved or even after they've been saved a long time. Just ask them, man, tell me your story. Tell me your salvation experience. Just so you can shame the devil and say, get up you thought you had me. But this is my testimony of how I overcame. But even in the midst of sharing my past with those men, they didn't say, well, I don't know if I want to work with Mario because, I mean, you're telling me all this stuff that you used to do. Boy, I don't know if I could trust you. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what we're going to do with you. I, I mean, 
I hope you have a future, but I really don't know. No, God's love says, I rejoice and I'm looking forward to your future, not your past. Every person has a bright future in Christ Jesus. You just have to be obedient to what he says to receive his love, to walk in the future of his love. But thank God I had some men that walked with me. I remember one time I was saved maybe, I guess, a month or two, something like that. And one of the things, the issues that I had before I got saved was I like to smoke Mary Jane. If y'all don't know what that is, that's weed. Some of y'all was looking like, what is he talking about? Mary Jane, what is that? Clearly speaking, I used to like to smoke weed. And so I remember I was saved about a one or two months, and I was hanging out with some friends, and they were smoking. And I was like, I'm not going to do it because I'm saved now. And the longer I was in that environment, the stronger the temptation for me to smoke got stronger and stronger to the point where I said, man, just give it here. That's like, nope, I'm not giving it to you. I was like, I don't care what you say. You're going to give me that weed. And I'm going <laughs> to and, uh, and I remember I began, I started smoking, and then I, we got high, and then I just remember this conviction just like, I'm telling you, I had never felt conviction like that before in my life. I was like, I'm going to hell right now. Like, I felt that, that conviction so strong that I knew what I was doing was a sin. I knew I repented of what I did in the past, but here I am back in my sin that I was just repented for. The things that I said I was tired of doing, I'm doing them again. And I felt that shame. I felt all that guilt, all the, the, the condemnation that I was free from, now it's back on me. But now, it's, now this time, it feels even worse. And that stuff was on me so strong, and I was like, I couldn't even, I don't even know where we were. I was like, I got to go home. But I didn't really, I didn't say, I said I wanted to go home, but I knew where I was really going. I went to my small group leader's house. I got in my car and I called him and I said, hey, can I come over? And it was late too. It was about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And I'm pretty sure he already knew when I called him and said that I could come over. He knew it was going down. And I remember I pulled up to his house. He came outside. He pulled down the, uh, the bed of his truck. And we both just sat on the bed of his truck. And I didn't say one word, and he already knew. He just put his arm around me. He, he looked at me and said, Mario, I love you, and I'm going to walk with you, and it's going to be all right. And he prayed for me, and I began to cry. And then from that point forward, I knew this man did not judge me despite my past, but he loved me through it. And from that moment forward, I realized I can trust him, and he would go on to help me walk through so many situations of my life, despite of my past. And I was like, that was a life lesson for me that says, you know what? We can't judge people by their past. We, why would I judge someone for the same things that I used to do? What we have to say is, hey, I know what your past is, but there's a bright future ahead of you. There's a bright future ahead of you. And it was because of men like that that I am where I am right now. Because I couldn't do this in my walk alone. But it was because of the love of God that covers my past that helped me see that I have a bright future. And some of you might be stuck in your past where you're like, you can't see past your, you can't see past your past for the future. I want to help you today. Get free from the guilt of the shame of your past. Today is the day to get free from the guilt and the shame of your past and allow the Lord to heal your heart, to free you from that guilt, shame, and condemnation and walk in freedom so you can walk into the future that God has for you. While we were sinners, Christ died. That's Romans 5, 8. For God showed his great love, not just his love, his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God knew we were going to sin. That's why he sent his son. All we have to do is receive his forgiveness, and guess what? We receive his great love that covers all of our past, all of it. And when I repent of all, and when we repent of God's sin, it says our covered sin does not mean that we continue to live a lifestyle of reckless behavior. When we repent of us, like I don't go back and do what I did, that's more guilt and condemnation. It's going to be even more heavier. But what we do is when we repent of our sin, we say, God, I'm leaving this reckless behavior. I leave that lifestyle in my past. I'm not going back to that. And when you receive God's love and his forgiveness, it should be evident to people around you that something's different about you. I know what your past is like, and you're not the same person. 
It should be like a night and day difference when you receive God's forgiveness and you walk in in his love. It should be evident to those around you. There's something different about you. What, what happened to you because you don't talk the way you used to talk? You don't think the way you used to think. You don't go to places that you, you don't do the things that you used to do. What happened? I received God's love. I received God's forgiveness. And I walk in. So we don't continue to live a lifestyle of reckless behavior. I spend my life discovering God's love and walking in his, and walking away from disgrace and shame of the sin that I continually and willfully used to commit. So the things that I used to willfully and intentionally commit, I walk away from those things and say, that is in my what? My past. Now I'm walking in my future, and my future is freedom. I leave that stuff in the past. I walk in the future where there is freedom. You want to get free from guilt and shame? Leave all that sin in the past. Let it be covered by the blood of Jesus, and you walk in freedom in the future. Amen? And the great thing about love is love was meant to rescue. Love was meant to rescue. God loved us so much. The word says this. God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for us. Jesus loved God so much that he said, because I love you, even though I don't want to do this, I'm going to die on the cross because I love you so much because I see how much you love me and how much you love mankind. So it was love that motivated Jesus to die on the cross because of his love for the Father, because of his obedience to the Father. And guess what? Because of that one act, our past is forgiven. Something so simple and so sweet, but yet it's so deep. His one act of love covers all of our past sin and shame. One act of love. Love covers our past. Amen? And now we have victory over sin, and we're walking in God's forgiveness and his love for us. So love covers the past. And the last and final thing is this. Love is consistent. Y'all say love is consistent. It is. It's consistent. Love has already been established and is not lawless. God's love is consistent and does not change. There's nothing about God's love that changes. It's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. It's consistent. It does not change. God's love is his truth. His truth is the word, and his word does not change. Why? Because God is a consistent God. He's consistent to all of us. Isn't that amazing? He's consistent to all of us at all the same time. For all of eternity, he never changes. He never wavers. He is consistent. The thing is, we're not consistent. <laughs> That's the problem. We and ourselves are not consistent at all. We have to develop and grow and pursue him in order to be consistent in his love. Because there's a lot of things that pull on us that cause us not to be consistent. But one thing we can count on is his love is always consistent. His love is always there. The Antichrist is a lawless spirit that is dressed in the idea of acceptance as do, your, do as you will. Walk in your truth. Walk, Y'all hear that all the time now. It, oh, speak your truth. Live your truth. You have to respect my truth. This is my truth. My truth is a spirit of lawlessness. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. Why is that? That's not saying it is the Antichrist. It's just the spirit of the Antichrist because it goes against God's word. It goes against God's nature of who God says that he is. God is consistent. He's not changing. Do what you will or live your truth. That's always changing. Because you could feel one way today and then the next day feel something different. Why? Because we're inconsistent and we don't know what we want. And when you're trying to discover yourself and trying to figure out what you want outside of Christ, guess what you're going to be? Inconsistent. Because yet one thing, you're going to try something that doesn't feel good and say, well, let me try something else. Now I'm going to try this. Okay, this felt good for a while. Now it doesn't, so I'm going to try this. Why well, I tried to be like this? How many of you had 10 different looks in your life or 10 different uh, styles? It, like, you, you just, I'm going to change up my style. First, I'm going to dress like this. Now, I'm gonna now I am won't dress like this no more. I'm going to dress like this. What is it? You're trying to figure yourself out. And then you're like, okay, I think I got my stride now. And then you're like, you know what? I don't want to dress like this no more. I don't want my hair to be like this. I'm going to change my hair. 
How many women have had many different hairstyles? Guys have different many haircuts and hairstyles as well. It's like we're always trying to figure ourselves out. But the more you do that outside of Christ, the more inconsistent we will become. But inside of God's love, his love helps us be consistent just as he is consistent. Because the world's love, of the idea of love, is always changing. It's always changing. Jesus came to fulfill the law. That's why our lives are covered under him. He's the only one worthy of our praise because his love is displayed for the, displayed for the freedom of our sin. His love is displayed for the freedom of our sin. Why? It's consistent throughout time. Does the story of Jesus ever change? No. It is what it is. He died on the cross for our sins. If you receive his forgiveness, you are saved. That is consistent throughout history. Does it ever change? No. Is there another way to receive salvation? No. It's consistent. It's the truth. It does not change. There's only one way through the Father. That's through the Son. That is consistent with his word, and that's consistent throughout time, and that's the only way that we could be made right with God is through his son, Jesus. That is consistent. That will never change. But the world says, hey, they're all paths lead to God. That's not consistent. There's nothing consistent about that. That's not love. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says this. I said, plant good seeds of righteousness. Is the world pursuing righteousness? No, they're pursuing do as thy will. Live your truth. I said plant good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of what? Love. Plow up the hard grounds of your hearts and all hearts are hard. Plow up the hard grounds of your heart. For now the time is to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. When we plow up the hard ground in our heart, Why is it hard for us to be consistent? Because there's hard ground in our heart. The more we pursue God in who he is, he begins to take that hard, stony heart of ours, and he softens our heart and gives us a tender heart that we're responsive to him, and we can walk in his love. Now we can walk in consistency because we're pursuing him, but we're giving him our heart. You know, there could be parts of your heart that's tender and open to God, but then there's parts of your heart that's hard and closed off to God. And the more that you pursue him, those hard parts, he begins to soften them and say, just give me access to this area of your heart. I can bring healing to it. Now you can walk in my love. Now you can be consistent in this area. You know, you could have your finances down, but you can also have bad attitude. You can have your good attitude, but then you can have a horrible uh, rage and anger. But it's like, just because you have certain things in order means that doesn't mean that you have everything in order. And for things that are not in order, we have to say, God, I give you access to my heart to come in and change me so I can be consistent in love just like you are. John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, what are we going to do? If you love me, what? Obey my commands. Oh, I love God. Do you obey his commands? Ooh, I love me some God. Okay, do you obey his commands? Do you obey his commands? If you love me, obey my commands. Simple. That's consistent throughout time, throughout our walk as a believer. If you love me, obey my commands. So how do we know we love God? If we're obeying his commands. So what is God speaking? Are you obeying it? You say you love him. Are you obeying his commands? And what are his commands? They're littered throughout the whole entire Bible. It's too many of them to go through. And and then also this, when you pursue God, he begins to speak to you. Guess what that is? That's a commandment. When he begins to speak to your heart and tell you, I need you to do this or let go of this, guess what that means? That means that is a commandment from God. And he says, if you love me, you're going to obey this command. You want to be consistent? Obey his commands. The best way to be consistent is obey God's commands. Because you'll become more and more like him, consistent in his love. But if you don't obey his commands, it's going to be hard to be consistent. Very hard because you're always going to try to, well, let me see. I know God told me to do this, but there's got to be another way. It's got, there's got to be another way. It can't be this difficult. It's not difficult. The difficulty is you don't want to obey his commands. That's what's hard. 
you don't want to obey his commands. His commandments are easy. It's easy to love God. It's easy to serve Jesus. But if you don't want to obey his commands, guess what? It's hard. Think about it. When you were a child or even adults, if somebody gives you a command at work, you, if you don't want to do it, it's hard to do it. Your boss tells you, hey, I need you to work on this assignment. I don't want to do that. Why are they asking me to do it? Why? Don't it? Why? You don't want to obey the command. But it's a lot easier if you just say, you know what, I'm going to obey this command. Then your attitude can be changed. All these things are different. But if you don't want to obey a command, it's going to be hard. Now think about God saying, hey, I know you've been hurting in this area. Give me your heart so I can heal it. Oh, no, God, I can't give you my heart. I don't trust people. Obey his commands because the fruit of it is going to be righteousness. The fruit of it is going to be his love. The fruit of, it is, fruit of it is going to be healing. It's going to be deliverance. And all those things that you say you need, all you have to do is obey his commands. But if you don't, it's going to always be a struggle. Man, I gave that Christianity a try, but it's too hard. No, it's not hard. You just didn't want to obey his commands. You wanted to obey yourself. You want, like, the, there's a sprite, obey your thirst. You want to obey yourself. But God says, obey, if you love me, obey my commands. Obey my commands. It's easy to tell a person that obeys God's commands. You start to see the decisions that they make in their life. You say, they, that's a person that's following God. They're following God's example. They're following God's lead. And on the contrary, it's very easy to tell a person that doesn't obey God. Because you have conversations with them. You say, oh, you ain't been listening to God at all. Because his word is consistent and it doesn't change. And God's been speaking the same word for you for years. You just don't want to submit to it. Man, there's so many people that I, even myself in the past, there are certain things that God I know was speaking to me, but I was so stubborn and prideful to change that I said, you know what, I, God, this is too hard. I'm not letting go of this. I'm going to show you that I can make it work. I'm going, like, I'm going to show God that I'm going to make it work. It's something he told me not to do. I'm going to prove to you, God, that you was wrong. Boy, you talk about dumb. <laughs> Why in the world would I think I could change the creator of the universe mind on something that he commanded me to do? I know what you're suggesting, God, but I got a better way. How about this? Okay, Mario, go ahead. Let's see how it go, plays out for you. And he's just, I'm pretty sure, sitting in heaven. <laughs> Look at this boy. He going to come running back to me repenting at some point. But, but let's just let him play out. Let him follow the errors of his ways. And sure enough, I come back to the point, God, I surrender. I'm sorry, God. I should have listened to you at the beginning. I'm sorry. I obey your commands now, God. I'm for real this time. I'm going to obey your because I tried it my way, and it doesn't work. It's much easier if you do what? Obey his commands. Receive his love. So how does all this today, what we talked about, how does all this today in practical terms relate to us? I'm going to break it down. We display love when the first thing is this. We love each other in truth. When we love each other in truth. For those that walk with Christ, we, when we walk with each other, encouraging each other to walk in the truth of God's love. So what does that mean? That means we encourage each other. As believers, when someone's walking through a certain situation, we encourage them, hey, get in God's word. I read this in God's word. I want to encourage you in truth. And when we begin to walk in the truth of God's word, then we can love our neighbors ourselves because we're encouraging each other in the truth. So the first thing is, how does this apply to us? Walk in the truth of God's love and begin to spread that to others. They encourage them to walk in the truth of God's word, which will bring life. Amen. Second thing is, we love by walking with, the, with each other in, in the future of what God has for us. So what does that mean? That means practically this. I'm going to help you walk to receive, to walk into the destiny of which God has for you, despite your past. So if you think that, well, you shouldn't think, you should know that God has a, a future for all of us. So what we say is as believers, I'm going to walk with you and help you reach the future of the things that God has for you because we cannot walk this walk alone. 
So I'm going to help you walk into the destiny that God has for you. As long as you want to partner with me, we can walk this thing together to the future that God has for you. And you will start receiving those things that God has for you. Guess what we're going to do together? We're going to rejoice. We're going to celebrate. We're going to encourage each other because I'm walking with you in the future of what God has for you. And the third thing is this. We love when, we content, when we've been consistent in studying the word. The only way to know God's love is know God's word. Because when it's revealed to us, like we mentioned before, when it's revealed to us, it helps us understand how we should love each other. If you want to learn how to love your spouse, study God's word. Because when the word starts changing your heart, it'll change the way that you view your spouse. Because when God starts pointing out scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, and you say, well, that means I got to lay down my life and put somebody else before me. Guess what? That makes the relationship and the marriage better. So you got to get in the word and study. But also you realize this, all getting in God's word is going to teach you to do is serve others. Jesus came in this world to lay down his life to serve all men, all people. He came to serve. And when you get in God's word, all he's going to do is teach you to be a better servant to others. All these things that we're talking about today, about being in love, about love, guess what it does? It teaches you how to serve better. Because the only way you can accomplish these things is by serving others. How do I help somebody walk in truth? By serving them. How do I walk with someone in the future? By serving them. How do I be consistent in, in helping in God's word? What did I be consistent because it helps me reveal God's word and his truth so I can walk in that and be consistent and I can serve others. It's serving. The more we study God's word, it teaches us to be better servants. And in turn, it helps us lay down our lives for a friend. It helps us lay it out because now that the, the, uh, the emphasis is not on us, it's on others. Amen? So today is love. Walk in the truth of God's love. Don't let the past beat you up. And bond. Your love is covered. I mean, your past is covered by love. And when we study God's word and we consistent with pursuing God, guess what? We become more consistent like he is consistent. Amen? Amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Love. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it was clear and that you've given us just clear directives, Lord God, on how to tangibly apply this message to our lives. I pray that it fall on good ground, Lord God, and that there would be a harvest of right living and testimonies to come forth, Lord God, of us walking in love with each other, being patient with each other, serving one another in love, Lord. And I thank you that you open it up our hearts. You continue to speak to our hearts throughout the week and throughout the days, Lord God, concerning love, Lord God, how to love like you loved us, Lord. And we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want to give one uh, final invitation, and that's for those that want to uh, receive the love of God. Maybe you haven't received the love of God. Maybe you watch it online, haven't received the love of God, but you want to come and receive his love today. You realize that I was like the prodigal son. I just ran off and just rejected God's love. And now that I'm on my own, I realize I need a savior. I need to receive God's love because the way that I'm doing things, the way that I'm living my life, I'm miserable. I need freedom. I need joy. I need peace. I need the rest and the comfort of a Savior. And if that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. I want to give you an invitation to receive Christ in your heart and to receive the free gift of salvation that was all motivated by love. All motivated by love that's you in here today, whether you're watching online or you're in a room and you want to receive the salvation of God, just lift your hand. I want to pray with you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart and just to repeat this after me. Say, Holy Spirit, I come to you today and bow down and surrender my life. I thank you that you forgive me for all of my sin and all of my past. I thank you that guilt and shame and condemnation are washed away and that my past is forgiven 
and I no longer have to hold that on. I thank you I release my past, and I thank you for a glorious future ahead in you. I love you, I honor you, and I serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And if you made that decision to follow God or if you're watching online, just let us know in the comment section. Say, I made a decision, or you can inbox us uh, on Facebook and let us know, and we would love to reach out to you throughout the week. But also, if you're in a service and you uh, made that decision and a seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. On the back, it says, I made a decision. Fill that out, and you can drop it off in offering time, and we would love to connect with you throughout the week as well. Come on, let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow Christ. That is the greatest decision that you will ever make in your life because it truly is. Amen. Amen. Well, before we dismiss uh, with you guys online, give you a couple of announcements. Our Songs of Christmas uh, holiday uh, service will be Friday, December 23rd at 6.30 p.m. So we won't have uh, service on Sunday, Christmas Day, but we will have service on Friday, December 23rd at 6.30. We'd love to invite you out. Invite your family, invite your friends for Songs of Christmas. This is our third year putting on this production. It's going to be great. We have all the kids. They're going to be singing and doing skits. It's going to be a lot of fun. So mark your calendars, December 23rd, 6.30 p.m. That's a Friday for Songs of Christmas. Also, we'd like to invite you out to prayer uh, this Wednesday at 6.30. We'll be in here for one hour, one hour prayer. Come get in the presence of God, and it's going to be awesome. It will be a time of refreshing and seeking the Lord. But we want to give you an opportunity to give online, and then you guys are dismissed. There's a couple ways you could do that. You could give online by going to our website at newlifemobile.org, or you could go and download our app, and you can give on the app. So we'll pray for the offering, and then you guys are dismissed online. Lord, we thank you uh, for the offering and tithes that's coming in today. I pray that you would, Lord God, use it to be a blessing to the world around us and locally here in Mobile. I thank you for those that are partnering with us, Lord God for the generosity of their heart. I thank you that you will bless them and their family. I bind any uh, attack of the enemy, the devourer, that will try to come against them and their family and their finances. But I pray that they would have more than enough. And I thank you for the blessing of Abraham over each and every family and household. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Love to see you this Wednesday, 6.30. Also, join us for service next Sunday in person at 10 a.m. We would love to see your face. Invite a friend, be with us to worship next Wednesday for prayer and next Sunday at service at 10 o'clock. Have a great, great Sunday. We love you guys. Amen.